Hello, welcome to Retail in Focus. I'm Alex Leonard, Deputy News Editor at Retail Systems. Uncertainty has been the only certainty for retailers since the pandemic hit in 2020. Brands have had to adapt quickly to the unprecedented growth of digital sales, with the COVID crisis driving a momentous shift to online. At the beginning of the pandemic, Black Friday and the Christmas season, we saw e-commerce platforms reap the benefits of store closures. But with physical stores reopening and consumer habits normalizing, sales during the peak trading period dropped dramatically last year. In 2022, retailers continue to grapple with uncertainty as the industry faces a cost of living crisis and supply chain disruption. To ensure they maximize sales and perform effectively during the holiday shopping period, retail companies must retain flexibility, meet customer expectations, diversify channels, and adapt to the growth of the conscious consumer. To explore some of these challenges and opportunities, we're joined by Paul Clark, Chief Product and Innovation Officer at Cashflows. Hi, Paul. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? Um, great. Thanks, Alex. Nice, nice to be here. Thanks for the invite. No problem. So let's jump into the first question, which is, what are the main factors driving uncertainty for retailers at the present moment? Yeah, great. And, and I think you coined it right at the beginning there, which is uncertainty is the only certainty we've, we've seen in the last couple of years. I mean, I, th- I think that's always been the case. It's always been very difficult to try and predict consumer behaviour. I think we'd all probably agree on that, but, but definitely in the last couple of years. And actually increasingly so now mm-hmm. seems to be even more impossible or difficult a task to try and just understand how consumers are going to react, behave. You know, I think what happened when we went into the, the pandemic, to some extent, we got a bit of certainty because no one was buying stuff in store yeah. and everybody was shifting to online. So how they do that was a little bit uncertain. I think probably what we've seen in the last six to 12 months is as people have started to get into this kind of hybrid originally, you know, back towards the end of last year, where are we, are we out of the pandemic? Are we, are we in? Are we out? Um, that provided a lot of uncertainty, I think. And then as I think we've started to, to absolutely come out of into more kind of normal behaviors as you'd expect mm-hmm. we then hit a whole other bunch of factors whether it be some of the supply chain issues that we've we've seen happening um the general noise around cost of living and the, the general cost of living some nervousness around that and the impacts that's having we're seeing that kind of play out i think and actually something that, that i think we put down to almost discount fatigue i think one of the things we've all been kind of guilty of doing with this uncertainty is using a tool of discounting to try and almost you know drive some of the behaviors that we'd normally expect to see and i think it's it's clear that that's just not having the same kind of impact or the same effect on consumers as it maybe did before we, we did a, a study back uh, at the beginning of this year with imrg just to kind of analyze what was happening around black friday and just to see some of the how that had been changing over the last couple of years. Um, and it's really stark to see the difference in the last Black Friday that just mm-hmm. happened to say the previous two um, and how consumers reacted to that. Black Friday has now become Black Friday month, I think. Lots of yeah. lots of retailers are starting to discount much, much earlier in the month. And, and I think we see um, almost a fatigue amongst consumers or an expectancy that discounts are always going to be there. So therefore, I'm actually not going to react to those in the way I maybe would have done in the past. So, so I think all of these things... Um, just add to that level of uncertainty that exists in what should we be doing? How, how are consumers going to react and how can we you know, make sure that we're there to, to meet them in the way they want to be met, where they want to be met and how they want to be met? Mm. Um, 
so yeah so, so, so i think we're seeing that that kind of all over the place um I, I, also uh, today i just saw a report issued today that said you know that the uh the covid econ bubble is now officially over so you know the the, the increase that we've seen in econ over the last year or two has really started to tail off particularly in q1 uh with a lot of top econ brands and top econ payments companies seeing a significant reduction in q1 econ revenues than they've seen in the previous two years so i think that's starting to then you know filter through into some kind of normality at least as well so so lots and lots of factors driving what is absolutely a very uncertain period i guess definitely i mean absolutely there's there's definitely a lot going on for retailers at the moment and um it doesn't appear that that's likely to change anytime soon um so how can multiple payments options and channels help to engage customers and boost sales against this backdrop of disruption yeah well there's a few things i mean so cash flows we, we come at this you know the only the only piece that we kind of can help and get involved with is the payments piece of this which you know we we see as a part of the the whole retail life cycle really um that's the only bit we see and th there are a lot of things that i think that can be done to help whilst this uncertainty exists so, so so once we've spent a lot of time and energy and money a lot of the time trying to get customers to visit stores visit websites mm -hmm. making the most of that visit from that consumer is really really important and to a large extent getting back to basics is is kind of key on that um we, we talk about you know discount fatigue i think it, it, personalizing consumers visits whether it's in store online on mobile as much as possible whether it's through discounting or rewards or any of those types of things really do have have an impact um but i think just getting back to the, the real basic customer experience making sure that at a point when a customer comes online comes into a store the experience they're getting at the point where they're checking out is mm -hmm. as much kind of detail and time and energy has been put into that experience as into the entire retail experience up front um, as I say, I'm not I'm not not a retailer by trade, but one of the things I've learned and heard a cliche many many times before, which is, you know, um, retail is detail, and that's never more true yeah. than when you get to the point at which a customer wants to think about paying for something. So, focusing on the detail, making sure that experience is great, making sure it's consistent, making sure it's easy to do, and ensuring that you're doing everything that's possible to convert that customer into a sale, really really important. Um, so. Multiple payment options is one of those, you know, having having that level of flexibility, I guess, to be able to provide the option for, for customers to pay for things the way they want to pay for them um, and making it easy for them to do that is is really important. So whether that's offering different payment types beyond traditional cards and cash. So, you know, we've seen a massive influx of, of Apple Pay, Google Pay and increasingly, you know, scheme led solutions like click to pay which mastercard and visa have, have launched and are launching they provide consumers a really convenient and easy way to pay for stuff it makes it very easy at the point of checkout if i can use my apple pay account which i've used in lots of different places i'm going to complete that transaction it's going to feel easier i'm going to do it it's going to give me less friction less barriers to to transacting so being able to offer that range of capability and do it in a way that's really simple really easy for consumers to use is so important um we still see particularly online we still see somewhere in the region of around 70 percent of all baskets are abandoned before transactions so only 30 percent of baskets are actually completing first time around and a lot of the time that's because of at the point when a customer consumer goes to finally check out from the basket there's maybe things like 
hit delivery charges that hadn't really uh, thought about before or some hidden costs that they hadn't seen that have been added to it. They might have to sign into an account to be able to complete the transaction, which, you know, I've already done that before. Or I've got an Apple Pay account. And I don't need to do that. That becomes a, a barrier. Um, or the whole checkout process is maybe a bit complicated um, and hasn't really been implemented that well. All of those things play a massive part in why two-thirds of baskets today still are abandoned at the point of checkout. So putting as much energy and effort into understanding those things, working with your payments provider, you know, the, the sort of thing that Cashflows does is worry about that stuff on a daily basis. And, you know, your payments provider should be able to provide you with some information that helps to try and understand why is that happening, if that's happening, and what, what can be done about it. So yeah, multiple payment options is, is definitely one of the things that just makes it easier for consumers to, to complete that sale. Definitely. And um, I think you made some great points there and, and, and they kind of uh, move me nicely on to my next question, um, which is around how are retailers using payment technology to meet demand and retain flexibility um, during those peak trading periods? Yeah, increasingly, I think the, the, the technology is able to provide retailers with the tools to to just understand customers a little bit more um, and understand how customers might behave um, and therefore ensure that they've got the right kind of tools and capabilities to to enable those transactions to complete i mean increasingly um, different forms of payment type and how uh, consumers interact with websites so you know mobile is now the predominant way that people pay for things and has been for a couple of years. So, you know, it used to be, uh, thinking in the online space, it used to be e-com, using laptops, using desktops. Mobile by far now is the largest way that consumers continue and increasingly so continue to pay for stuff. Um, so ensuring that the mobile checkout experience that retailers provide to their, to their consumers is consistent, as smooth, and as easy to use as every other checkout experience is really important. And then trying to get a consistent view. So if I go to a store in the real world and pay for something, and I could, so I can use a certain set of cards or discounts or loyalty codes, I want to be able to use that when I'm online. I want to be able to use that when I'm using the mobile solution as well. So using the technology to make sure that whatever the channel you're interacting with your consumers on, that they can get that consistent journey, that consistent experience, um, and consistent way that they pay for stuff, making that as easy as possible. That's where the technology should be coming in and where I think those retailers that are doing a great job of this are using the technology to enable that experience for the customers. And those maybe aren't using that are, are, are struggling a little bit in terms of completing those sales and, and, and um, ensuring that they're, they're continuing to keep customers at the front of, of, of mind when doing that. Um, so technology can help that for sure. And I think things like increasingly different types of ways to pay for something. So not just cash or card, but, you know, increasingly we're seeing things like uh, buy now, pay later, which is, you know, hot, hot subject at the moment. Definitely. So providing consumers the tools to, at the point of sale, decide to put some of the larger purchases on credit, um, but very simply doing that through buy now, pay later solutions. I think that offers a great experience in certain segments and in certain types of retail solutions. So we're seeing huge, huge growth in in the numbers of people using that type of payment capability and therefore becoming almost expectant, whether that's in store or online, to have that kind of checkout capability. So it's almost got to the point where that's not a novelty anymore. You need to be able to have that because consumers are starting to expect that breadth of payment capability and, and technology. Um, 
I think the other the other way we see technology really helping from a retail point of view, again, maybe more focused on, on e-com and online, but is when we start to think about localized and foreign payments, international payments. Um, and so doing international and cross-border payments is not as difficult as it as it may seem. I know some of the the larger retail groups will be have been doing that for years, but some of the, the SMEs and the really small guys, it might seem a bit daunting. Um, but as 22, 23% of all e-com is done cross-border, and that number is going to increasingly grow, being able to offer international payment types and to be able to offer your product in not only displayed in pounds, but displayed in the local currency of a consumer who might just land at your website from Germany, from France, from Spain, or wherever, being able to instantly offer that, that solution and for them to be able to pay in their own currency and using a local payment type that might be relevant to them, being able to do all that's really simple with the right payments provider because they can take all the heavy lifting and do all that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore using the technology to enable you to start selling products in, in different parts of the world than you'd ever been able to expect to is much easier than probably you'd expect. And is another one of the ways that we're seeing, you know, a lot of growth and a lot of ways that the technology is helping uh, re- retailers to grow and, and capture customers. Definitely. Um, thanks for that, Paul. And I think you've uh, made some important points there around customer experience and, and having more of a choice and, and customers really expecting more. And that leads on to um, another topic that is very high on the agenda at the moment uh, for consumers, which is how are retailers adapting to the growth of the value-driven consumer? Yeah, and, and we're, we're seeing more and more, I think, um, whether it's as a result of you know, what everybody across the globe's experienced through the whole pandemic or what, you know, certainly in the last couple of years, and I'm sure that's been a big driver, we're starting to see much more of a kind of conscious consumer, more conscientious consumer in terms of uh, consumers wanting to make decisions about where they shop um, and making value-based decisions. You know, they want to align with the values they have and, and those align with the, the, the brands that they're dealing with, the, the stores that they're dealing with. Um, and we see that more and more. We, we, we ran a, a survey of our own. We funded a survey of our own last year called Mindful Shopping Report, um, which was looking at the effects of, of uh, customer value and, and how they perceive um, value-driven transactions, value-driven retailers. Um, about 90% of consumers said to us in that report that they actually would seek out what they would call ethical affiliations. So they're, they're consciously looking to buy stuff and deal with retailers that that share those values. And so they're, they're actively seeking out those, those transactions. Um, and around 35% um, of those that we survey said that they now are more motivated to shop ethically than they probably were two years ago. So there's been a shift in how consumers view who they're buying from. They're getting much more conscientious. Um, that number of 35% increase actually is higher amongst the younger generation. So you know, between 18 to 35-year-olds, it's about 45% of consumers in that age bracket uh, are motivated by a retailer's ethical values, if you like, and making sure that they align with their own. So I think that's, that's really important. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's an old cliche, I guess, and it's easy to overdo, but ensuring that the green credentials of your business are clear and understood and that, you, you know, they're important to you and you're communicating what they are. Um, things like charitable partnerships, we see a lot of our customers who get involved in those types of things, um, that really resonates. And when, they, when it's done for the right reason, resonates with consumers and, and helps with that 
value-based decision that consumers make and things like you know getting involved in local community um, increasingly we see that from our large customers who have localized presence making sure that that localized presence is is felt and and is been used for for real value those types of things are increasingly important to consumers um so i think where where retailers are doing that and they're doing that for the right reasons letting their customers know that that's happening is really really important um I mean, consumers are not stupid, so they'll sniff out if that's just, you know, a sales ploy. But where that really is truly at the heart of what a business does, um, I think consumers are aware of that and are increasingly looking for that when making decisions about where to buy things. Um, so we see that a lot. Definitely. I think uh, conscious consumerism, as you said, is a, is a massive trend. And ultimately, I think retailers need to be getting on board or, or they do risk losing their customers. So the final question for today is, uh, what are the key security challenges for retailers in securing payments as demand for e-commerce and digital channels rises? Yeah, and, and for us in the payments industry, particularly the, the last you know three or four months has been massive, really, from a payment security standpoint. So we had a, a new way of doing things called SCA, Secure Remote Authentication, come in on the 14th of March. So many many of the retail trade and, and uh, payment trade will be aware of that and it's probably the biggest change to payments in the last 16 years since chip and pin was introduced yeah. so it's the enhanced 3d secure it's the enhanced way that we now have to authenticate a transaction using a mobile app or a pin code that's sent to us that came into force on the 14th of march and it's been huge um it's been a mixed review, really, I would say, in terms of how progress of that and how it's going. I mean, the, the purpose of that implementation and that mandate and all that it brings was to try and improve security significantly for, for consumers and for retailers to stop fraud, chargebacks, all those type of things, whilst trying to maintain the experience that consumers have got used to when, when transacting online. And I think so far the feedback's been pretty mixed in terms of how that's, that's happened. Um, I think in the early days, we saw reports from, from Barclays and, and, and other places that we were seeing an increasing basket rate abandonment, um, that some of our you know, partners and, and customers were actually starting to lose money because sales were being lost, because consumers were getting a little bit nervous about having to go through all the extra steps. But, but I think certainly in recent weeks and months, we've seen a significant improvement in a whole bunch of things as a result of the implementation of SCA. Um, I think today I saw a, a publication from, I think, Nationwide, who are quoting that, you know, since the implication of SCA, they've seen somewhere in the region of about 2,000 less fraud cases every month. They've managed to stop 2,000 fraud cases a month less than they were previously doing. Um, and actually, two-thirds of consumers, when, when spoken to, are okay to go through a slightly more enhanced security check at the point of transaction if they feel it's adding more security. So, so I think we've seen a massive shift. And I think we've, um, we're starting to see the benefit of that shift come through. What I would say is I think when it comes to SCA 3D Secure 2.0, which is what we're talking about here, how you as a retailer implement it is going to define whether you succeed or fail or whether you see an improvement or you see a degradation in terms of the, the service that you're getting or, or the you know, consumer sales that you're managing to make. Um, so I think it's really important, again, that kind of getting back to basics around experience that it's not just a question of implementing that capability but really thinking through how it's implemented how it can enhance the consumer experience not take away from the consumer experience and if you can do that in a really really simple way for the consumer 
it can have a massive impact in terms of sales, reducing basket rate abandonment, and more importantly, fraud and things like chargebacks. So it can have a big impact on those things. Where it's not done well, it can have the opposite impact. And so, so I would say that's an area where if, if you haven't spent time and energy looking at how SDA has been implemented and your payments company should be helping you with this, and if they're not, they should be, talk to your payments provider, talk to them about SCA and some of the things that can be done to enhance the customer experience. Um, because I think, as I say, the added levels of security can bring, can bring great benefits to both consumers and, and merchants. So when it comes to security, that's probably the big, big story, I guess, that we've been seeing this year so far. Absolutely. Um, yeah, security is uh, yet yeah, another key issue for retailers at the moment, particularly, you know, in the last couple of years. And as you said, with uh, SCA being introduced, that has been a big adjustment for retailers. Uh, but in the end, you know, fraud, as you said, um, where this has been implemented correctly, fraud is being reduced. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Retailers need to be thinking about how they implement these new measures and uh, making sure they get it right, ultimately. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for, but it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. If our listeners want to find out more about cash flows, where can we send them? Uh, if we go to cashflows.com, all the information you'd ever need to know will be on there. Um, so please go to cashflows.com. Perfect. Well, thanks again for joining us today, Paul, and uh, also to all of our listeners. Until next time. <laughs>